is easy to sum it up when you just talk about practice. We sitting here, I'm supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. I mean, it, listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. Not a game. Not, a, not, not the game that I go out there and, and die for and play every game like it's my last. Not the game. We're talking about practice, man. I mean, how silly is that? I mean, we're talking about practice. I know I'm supposed to be there. I know I'm supposed to lead by example. I know that. And I'm not, I'm not shoving it aside, you know, like it don't mean anything. I know it's important. I do. I honestly do. But we're talking about practice, man. What are we talking about? Practice? We're talking about practice, man. Well... <laughs> Could you imagine what our series is going to be about? Uh, <laughs> the year was 2002, and the former great NBA player Allen Iverson found himself in a cultural viral moment, ranting justifiably about the topic of practice. Now, although we won't be talking about it in the same way that Allen Iverson was talking about it, the next few weeks we will be talking about practices. And what does practice have to do with us and our relationship with God? For some of us in the room, we often look at who we are right now, and we look at who we want to be, and sometimes that gap is so large that we get a little hopeless. But what if I told you, maybe, just maybe, the, the life of where we are now in our current reality and the life that we desire to live and the person that we desire to be, what if there was a direct link to our practices, our spiritual habits, the way that we shape ourselves and our lives our practices. And for some of us, we think about practice and it becomes something that we think about as difficult or hard, and sometimes it can be. But I do want to turn that on its head today. I do want to talk about and lean into the topic of practice and what does God have to say about practices and our spiritual habits? Because if this is something that matters in our lives, if this is something that really matters to God and he speaks about it, we see in Scripture that it's something that we should be talking about as well, all for the purpose of becoming more and more like Jesus. Before we start our message, though, I want to just introduce myself. We had Easter last week, and sometimes there's new people in the room. And shout out to those of you who are watching online as well. Uh, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Maurice. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Um, I have the awesome opportunity of wearing many hats here. Um, I actually get a chance to teach, as I'll be doing today. Uh, but I also work with the young adults, and I do some amazing things uh, helping and overseeing uh, the young adults and young professionals ministry. Um, that also includes college students as well. Um, we have a weekly Bible study that we continue to lean into and try to figure out God's heart for us. And sometimes we just realize that the Bible can be confusing and strange sometimes. So we actually decide to journey in that together. So every Thursday evening we get together um, and walking through that. But it's not only a spiritual thing, it's also a social thing. And we put together some things where we just hang out and enjoy each other's company. Uh, one of the things that we'll be doing on May 5th um, is hanging out um, and just enjoying each other's company there too. So make sure you 
look out for the emails and check the website for that. And if you're newish here or new to the community here, um, young adults typically, I'm just kind of just go throw it out there, lean towards this area of the room. So if you want to organically find somebody or run into somebody, they typically sit on this side. Not always, not always, but that's sometimes how it is uh, for the young adults and young professionals. Uh, not only that, last and certainly not least, uh, also get a chance to oversee and facilitate conversation in the area of racial justice and racial reconciliation. Uh, here at Ascent, we firmly believe that Scripture speaks so clearly about being a community that is alternative to what we see in society um, and being a community that crosses cultural divides and ethnic divides and do exactly what Jesus prayed about of creating a community that is in harmony and in unity and in oneness. And so I have the awesome privilege of continuing to bring awareness and to continue to keep that conversation elevated in our community so that we could be a place where multi-ethnic conversations can continue and everyone is welcome in the uh, community of Jesus Christ. Um, so there's a little bit about me. I'm also married to an amazing woman named Aisha. She's not here today, uh, but shout out to Aisha. She's visiting her mom. Um, listen, today as we get started, um, I want to start off with a little bit of a story. And I actually, I want to slow down just for a moment, because if we're going to be talking about practices, then we got to really lean into practices. Um, and I want to just pray, because sometimes I get super excited about what I'm going to talk about. And a practice, a spiritual practice and spiritual habit is prayer. And my, my, my whole point in slowing down here is that I, I hope that we don't just see it as a transition moment or just see prayer as something to do. Um, what, we, what I hope we'll learn in this and what I've been pressing into even just the weeks of, uh, of praying and thinking about this topic of practices, uh, we get a chance to invite God into our lives. We get a chance to press in and ask the creator of this world to, to just open up our hearts and open up our minds and what is it that he has to say to us. And we shouldn't take that lightly. We should always just really realize that that means something. So I want to take a moment to slow down and pause and just pray, and just practice the prayer, and practice prayer as an essential thing for all of us. So would you bow your heads with me as I pray and get started for our time together? God, we slow ourselves down in this moment, and I am in this moment practicing prayer, not just because, not just because it's something to do, because, but because practices shape us, and prayer shapes us. And so I ask you, as I articulate your words, that people will see you and not Maurice and get a chance to hear what is it that you desire for our hearts on today. And may we be open and honest with ourselves to receive your words. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The way I want to start off our time together in the topic of practices. It was around the year 2010. I was uh, going into my second year of playing football at a small college back in California. Um, and at the time, uh, we were going into um, registering for classes. And the football players, because we were one of the teams, uh, we had priority registration. And I remember like it was yesterday, we got the chance to sign up for the cl classes and coaches were there and they made sure that we signed up for the core classes that we needed. Uh, and then it got to a portion where we got a chance to go into five elective classes, five elective classes. Uh, the five elective classes were like all over the board. It was, you could uh, take computer skills, you can take a class on a second language of Japanese. You can, it was like a couple of them. Uh, the last one though, I remember looking at the page and I was oddly intrigued about. The last one was, tap dance class. Um, and here I am, 
2010, this 250-pound linebacker who plays for the team, starting, of course. Um, I don't want to brag too much. I was just decent. But, and here I am, and I'm intrigued, and none of the football players signed up for tap dance. And I was, like, so intrigued. I said, I'm going to sign up. And so I signed up for tap dance class. And I was like, this is going to be my elective. Uh, don't laugh. I still have my Capizio, Capezio uh, shoes. Yep. They're back home at my parents' house. Um, and so I signed up for this class, and I remember watching a documentary one time um, on uh, Lynn Swan, played for one of the greatest football teams of all time, Pittsburgh Steelers, my team, and he took ballet classes to stay light on his feet. And I was like, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna take tap dance classes and see if it you know, helps me out or whatever the case may be. Um, and so I still have my shoes to today, and I was able to even talk to my parents about, like, do you guys still have those? And they are like, yeah, we still have them. And I was actually able to dig up some video of me in class um, <laughs> Of, of tap dance, so turn your attention to the screens. No, I was just kidding. Um, <laughs> I think some of you were more intrigued because you were in disbelief about this. This is a real story, people. Uh, don't have the dis look of disbelief on your face. I, I could uh, shuffle ball change across this stage better than most of you. Um, but I tell that story because I remember having a conversation with my professor, and it was one day, we were probably a few weeks into the class, um, and she was kind of intrigued also of like, you know, I was the oddball out, this big dude in uh, taking tap dance. Um, and she was just asking, you know, why I, was in, uh, why I wanted to uh, be in it. And I remember, and I was telling her, I was like, I remember watching the movie Tap, and I was so intrigued with Gregory Hines and the Sandman and the Nichols Brothers and all these different things. And I'm like, all these things, I want to be like them. And she kind of had this look on her face, sort of like the look that some of you just had, of like this intrigued, like, really? And, and looking back, I can only imagine this look on her face was her thinking to herself of adding up who I wanted to be and my sporadic attendance in her class. And she's thinking to herself, how is that? Now, she didn't say that. What she did articulate to me, though, was, Marcy, it doesn't matter how much you desire to be like Gregory Hines. If you decide to drop in and out of my class sporadically, you will never become like Gregory Hines. And what I realized as I go into the topic of practice is that this entire series that we're going to be talking about and the collection of talks that we're going to be leaning into is about transformation. It, I'll double down and even go into it. It's about the process of becoming. And how does that happen? What, what does that look like? Because becoming, like to become something, like if I were to change the rant that I, Alan Iverson went on, I would just switch out the word and just put becoming. Like becoming? We're talking about becoming, like becoming? And some of you may not really grasp what it means of like becoming, but like that's an ongoing process. If you're in church world, you use the word sanctification. Like it's an ongoing process to become like Jesus. One of the ways that I grasped this is I remember being in premarital counseling, and one of the people that was helping us counsel, uh, was helping counsel us, uh, brought up the scripture in Genesis, and he said, where a man shall leave his mother and father, and the two shall become one. And he said, Maurice and Aisha, I want you to know that this is not something that you will ever arrive to. Like, when you open your eyes in heaven, that's when you will arrive at this process of fully becoming one. Because every single day, when you open your eyes and place your feet on the ground, that is you engaging again with the process 
of becoming one in your marriage. And every single couple here that is married recognizes how hard sometimes marriage can be because it's always a process of becoming. It's these two worlds that are merging together, and it's friction sometimes, and it's in tune, and then it's out of tune, and it's rhythm, and it's not rhythm, and it's sleeping on one side of the bed, and then she takes the side of the bed, and he, he does this, and she, it's all of these things of becoming one. And if we are to truly engage the topic of practice, then we're truly engaging the topic of becoming. And I bring that up because I think it's important for us to realize that this will be sometimes a process that is hard. It doesn't happen overnight. Like, I wish sometimes that on the front end, like, I would just have, like, this sort of just small group of just people where I could just tell them on the front end. If they want to jump into Christianity or they want to start following Jesus, I want to just tell them all of the hard stuff. Like, I just want to, on the front end, tell you sometimes it's going to be difficult. Because sometimes I think too much we paint it in a light of, like, easy and roses and daisies and not realizing that Jesus calls us to bear the cross, to pick up our cross and walk and to deny ourselves, And it's a hard thing. Not in the sense of like this is like a, a domineering or taskmaster sort of scenario. It's hard in the sense of I'm letting go of who I once was and stepping into becoming more like Christ. And that, that can be difficult. And I say this up front because I think it's important for us to recognize it. When we go on this journey of practice, if you've ever played a sport, you recognize sometimes practice is the sucky part. But if we don't engage in practice, then we will never become. There's an uh, author uh, and a prolific journalist, G.K. Chesterton. He puts one it this way. Uh, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. The Christian way of life has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. This is something I think all of us must embrace as we look at this Christian walk and the practices that we're going to be engaging in. Because there is a gap, and the gap impacts all of us. That gap of who we are right now and the gap that who God is calling us to be. And sometimes, let's be honest, that, that can feel like a weight. That can feel like something that's a little bit daunting. That, that can feel like it's, un, it's impossible to do. Like, I, I don't know if I'll ever reach that. And I think sometimes when we engage in the process, process of Christianity and practices and spiritual habits, that sometimes we just give up. And one of the reasons I do believe that we give up is that not only is it difficult, but we get into a world of comparison. And social media breeds this, right? That we even get a little bit uh, uh, in a space of despair just by scrolling on social media, looking at the success of someone else and looking how far they are down their road and we're the same age and look how much money they make and look how far they are, look how articulate that person is and I'm so behind in life. And then we bring that right into our Christian world because we know that person that can 
prayed like nobody's business. And we know that person that has that devoted relationship with Jesus. It's like, man, if I could have a dependence on Jesus like that, if, if I could have a marriage that centers it around Jesus like that, if I could have that, and we start to compare. And let me tell you, the, the quickest way to destroy intimacy in a relationship is to compare it to something else. And when you start comparing your relationship with Jesus to someone else's, it destroys the intimacy of what God wants to do with you. And there's a gap that impacts all of us. And I want to talk about that gap today. Because what if I told you that maybe that gap will always be there? Maybe. I'm not saying it will. Maybe it will. But can I let you know that practices, our spiritual habits, have a way of closing the gap of intimacy with us and Jesus. It has a way of bringing us in relationship, not caring so much about the end goal, but looking at the journey. Not so much the destination, but embracing the journey of walking with God. I'm not who I used to be, but man, I'm a far cry from what I used to be. I'm not who I want to be, I should say, but I'm a far cry from who I used to be. I'm not exactly all the way there yet. All my goals aren't accomplished. Everything that I have on my list is actually uh, delayed, and and I thought I was going to be this, and I thought I was going to have this at this point in time. But maybe I'm so focused more on my walking with God than I am the destination of what I thought my life was going to look like, that I've actually shifted the value in the two. Don't we all sometimes place the value on the list of how we want our life to look? And that's the end goal, and that's where we put all of our affection, our desires, and our resources, and our time. And sometimes we just leave that there. And I think in this process and in this journey of practices, in this conversation of talking about practice, I hope we start to realize that there is a shift that God is inviting us to. That the true success in life It's having the intimacy of walking with God. That maybe you don't have the money in your pocket that you want, and maybe you don't have the life that you thought you were going to have and live where you thought you were going to live and have the person you thought you were going to marry and go down this path of whatever the checklist was. But you're more excited waking up knowing you walk with God. And that is satisfying enough. Because in this world that we live in, Having something to be our spiritual, uh, satisfies us spiritually, is always the thing that will sustain the temporary highs and lows of life. And so I talk about this because that gap and that distance, it's real. Dallas Willard is an amazing author as well. If you're going through this entire series of practices, I encourage you. Honestly, I would suggest the book, but you can pick up anything. And Dallas leans into a lot of this conversation He says this in his book of uh, Renovation of the Heart. He says, the perceived distance and difficulty, talking about that distance, the perceived distance and difficulty of entering fully into the divine world and its life is due entirely to our failure to understand that the way in is the way of pervasive inner transformation and to our failure to take the small steps that quietly and certainly lead to it. The pervasive inner transformation. Here's our hope and our goal as we lean into the topic of practices. My hope is that we see that practices 
are, are something that helps us in our relationship. It's not the end-all, be-all. And it's not some sort of, like I said earlier, some sort of scenario of a, a taskmaster. But it's inner transformation. And for the majority of my time that I'll be before you, I'm going to be talking simply about why practices and what are practices. And then I'm going to give us one simple one at the very end. But that's going to be the majority of our time. Why practices and what practices? I want to slow down just for a moment. Uh, because practices, if I were to give us just a helpful working definition before we move any further, practices are God's gentle reminder that King Jesus, the Messiah, simply longs for your friendship. That's how I want to start us off. Practices are God's gentle reminder that King Jesus, the Messiah, simply longs for your friendship. See, so when you think about, I say that, because when you think about fasting and when you think about uh, uh, solitude or silence or some of the things that I'm going to be mentioning today, some of that may sound kind of weird or some of it may even sound tough. I want you to see that as an entry point for your relationship with Jesus, another entry point, an opportunity to connect with God. And God places practices in our life to gently remind us that it's a friendship on the other side of this that I desire, not some to-do list that you've checked off. On the other side of this is a friendship that the God of the universe longs to have with you. And that's why we engage in practices, not so that we could say that we're so good or all these different things, but to really realize God places practices in our life for relationship and intimacy. When he gives us that big call, come and follow me, not only does he give us the call to follow him, but he sets up practices in our life to help us with that. Now, we're going to take a turn here and go into deep practical side of things and lean into a big, big portion of the practical side. But before I do, I want to just, and you keep hearing me say this, right? I want to slow down for a little bit. Uh, because I've been in church world long enough to know that when you start talking about do's and don'ts and you start talking about a whole list of things that we are invited to do and this becomes this list of things to do and works to do, I've been in church world long enough to know that that can easily get into a place of legalism. And Maurice, what in the world is legalism? Legalism speaks to, if I work hard enough, I can gain my right relationship with Jesus. It speaks to, if I do enough, I will be enough. Legalism speaks to checking off the list so that I can be considered a good Christian. Legalism speaks to all of the things I got to work up enough so that I can be enough and that I'll look, check off this list so that I can be considered good or I can be considered right standing or I can gain God's favor if I give enough money or if I do enough of this silence or if I lean into these practices. So Maurice, give me this list so I can check off the list and I can be considered okay with God. And unfortunately, there are parts of the world where people who call themselves Christians teach that. And I just want to start off our time together by saying that's a load of baloney. And that is false teaching. And I want to emphatically say, right where you are, 
God loves you. Like all of what we're going to be talking today has to be uh, the undercurrent of God's love compels us to this. I'll even say it in a better way where there's a popular Christian song out right now and the opening line puts it so perfectly. You will never be more loved than you are right now. You will never be more loved than you are right now. We just got finished talking about the cross last week. And when I say love, that is not for the people in the room that just say that they're followers of Christ. Can I let you know that if you're trying this thing out, that if you're skeptical about this Jesus thing, the same love that followers of Jesus have is the same love that you have also. Let me be very clear. This isn't a love that is partial or discriminatory. Jesus loves the world. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So as we start our time together and we start getting into this practical stuff, let me be very clear that all of this comes from love. See, it's from and not for. We don't work for God's love. We work from God's love. Like we're freed to practice these spiritual practices. And it comes from the undercurrent that God loves us and we're compelled to lean into and engage spiritual practices. So as we start our time together, I want to turn to Matthew chapter 7. And I thought it was weird. I even put it in my notes. It says, pray with a question mark. I know that we already prayed. I just want to pray again. Um, Yes. So I'm not even going to say anything else. Would you bow your heads with me again? Lord, I'm in some ways making things awkward or disrupting in some, some would view or whatever the case may be throwing a wrench into how we would normally, regularly go about church or service. But there is no way of doing church. And so in this message, I'm pausing again to say that may we embrace the truth that you love us, the truth that as much as we lean into these practices, that we will never be more loved than we are right now. And because of that, We can lay down the striving. We can cease to try to become enough and realize that who we are in you is enough. In Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 7 will be the foundational text, and it says these words for the latter part of our time together. It says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, And puts them into practice. It's like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. Practice? We're talking about practice. It's like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. This is right at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount, the famous Sermon on the Mount. Jesus starts to give one of his first sermons. It's foundational. He's really rocking the world at that time um, of just what people perceived what the way of God was like. And he's going through all these different things. He talks about everything. I mean, he's going from top to bottom of how he's supposed to love and how he's supposed to forgive and all the various topics. 
And right at the very end of his sermon, he says these words, that the person who puts them into practice is the wise person. Now, I think this is important for us because what Jesus shows us is a couple of things, is that we're not just supposed to be people who are just so consumed with theology and the stuff knowing about God. The people that theorize all the time, like there's, there's a difference between like this theoretician and like the practitioner. Like there's a difference between someone who just knows all these things and actually the one who puts it into practice. And Jesus says, like, I, I want you to know the right thing. Don't get me wrong. That's why I'm here to not abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And I'm actually here to teach you all these different things about the kingdom and da-da-da-da-da. But I can teach you all day long. If you never put it into practice, Jesus, not Maurice, calls you a fool. Foolish if us, for us to think that we can just know all about God but never put things into practice. And we know these type of people, right? Sometimes it's us. That we can debate a topic all day long. And you know so much about the topic. But when it comes to actually questioning, now how much does that relate to your life? Like, how much does that actually apply to your life? Now, tell me your circle of friends again. Like, tell me you know so much about, we, we know this. We've seen this over time. The person who has all the understanding, and if you're in a church world, they can debate all the stuff, the big theological things of, I know this, and, you know, loving your neighbor. And then you ask them, like, now tell me your neighbor's name. And they're like, nah, let me tell you Matthew 7. And it's like, you know all the right things to say. You know a whole lot about justice. Now, now tell me how that relates to your life. You know so much about the topic, but how much practice have you actually put in? Like, I actually would rather a person who practices the topic more than speaks about the topic, right? Like, I think we all would. That actually practices love, practices forgiveness, practices what it means to, uh, to love thy neighbor, practices what it means to be a, a, a financially steward, a, a good financial steward of their money, practice being a person who engages in worship outside of Sunday. We, we, we long to really actually be that type of person who puts it into practice. And what Jesus says is that I'm not here so that you can just hear all these words. My hope is that you put it into practice. And what we also see in this passage, what I find really sobering is that there's not much in between that Jesus leaves. You're either foolish or you're wise. And sometimes we look for a whole lot of gray area. We look for a whole lot of ambiguity sometimes. Like, what's the loophole? How can I get out of this? I mean, like, yes, but I'm busy. And it's like, oh, fool or wise. It's like, yes, Jesus, but like, okay, but I got this to do. And it's like, Fool or wise? Like, how are you going to build your spiritual house? And will it be a place where it's just a bunch of, uh, you know a whole lot? Well, God would call that foolish. And what I love about this is that it speaks to the foundation. It doesn't even speak to the house. What foundation are we building our lives on? 
And the best way to answer that question is, how are your current spiritual practices in your life? What do your current spiritual practices say about the foundation of your house? What do the current spiritual habits that you have say about the house that you're building? Because here's the deal. Sometimes we can complain all day long about the house that we don't have. And, and it just keeps falling down, and it doesn't have the type of walls that I want, and I can't even do this and get to the, the, the attic where I want to set up this in the basement, and I, actually, I can't do this the way I want it, and I can't you know, lay it out how I desire. I want to do this DIY project, but it keeps tumbling down. And we complain about something, but what if that is directly linked to the foundation that we're building? I'm jumping ahead here, but let me be very clear. If your spiritual life depends on an hour a week with worship and a decent sermon, you will not have this house that you are desiring. You will not experience what we see in Scripture. You will not experience the fullness and the flourishing life that God invites us into. And I think sometimes we get disgruntled and sometimes we decide to give up and, and I'll get to some reasons why, but, but I wonder, what if it's on us? What if the relationship that we are experiencing is directly linked to the practices that we have in our life? Because I can guarantee you this, if you don't ever talk to your spouse and desire a great relationship, like if you actually never have true conversation and communication and open and transparency with your parents, but desire this thriving relationship with them? Like, I, I wonder, and I'm not saying that in a way that like this like mandated thing. I understand that sometimes things are complicated. I understand that sometimes we have a strange relationships. I'm just saying that if we think we're going to have a flourishing relationship naturally with someone that we don't talk with, that we don't spend time with, that we don't have intimacy with. It is just as foolish to think that that's going to be a thriving relationship as it would be with our relationship with Jesus. So what practices is God calling you to in this year? Let me not even put an, a plural on that. What practice? Don't even be an overachiever in this. What is the one practice that God is inviting you to? And remember what that practice is, a gentle reminder that King Jesus the Messiah longs for a friendship. What is that practice that he's inviting you to, that you're thinking about and you're wondering, maybe this will be? Because here's the deal. The kind of practices that we have will always be directly linked to the life, the life that we're living. And who are you becoming with the current practices that you have? I know I'm drilling it right now. I can, I just, I can just feel it. Like, I know I'm just going for it. I'm going for the juggler. But I, I think it's helpful for us of what are our current practices say about the type of person that we're becoming. The endless consumption of the news cycle. Scrolling on social media to kill time. I've read a, uh, a survey that just said that we touch our phone 2,700 times a day. The amount of times we check emails. For my college students out there, the way that you study, watch TV, and FaceTime all at the same time. 
the busyness of your schedule, the habit of shopping and looking at deals just because you're bored, the Facebook debates you find yourself in over and over again, the lack of physical exercise, the looking on your phone while a loved one is attempting to talk with you, the consistent gossip that we are involved in. What do your current practices say about the foundation of the house that God longs to build with you? God invites us to pay attention to our practices. We find this in Proverbs 14, 8. It says these words, The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, to their habits, their practices. God commands us to pay attention to your habits. Because here's the deal, we are unintentionally shaped and formed all the time. We are unintentionally shaped by the voices that we believed, the relationships that we have, and the habits that we have. The voices that we believe, the habits that we have, and the relationships that we have. And in the next couple of weeks, what we desire to do is to provide an alternative that we can provide biblical teaching and let that be the voice that you believe. Biblical community, friendships and relationships within the kingdom of God that's walking in the same direction, and spiritual practices. But that takes intentionality. See, we're all shaped unintentionally, whether we like it or not. To walk in the way of Jesus is to intentionally pay attention to our spiritual habits. So what practice is God calling you to step into? I want to provide a few of them just so you can give an understanding. And these are some that we'll be even leaning into in the next couple of weeks. Silence. Sabbath, which is a day to just stop. Scripture reading. Solitude, which is a time away from everyone and everything. Fasting. Financial giving. Patience. Kindness. Living in community people of faith that you are walking with that foster transparency, Sunday worship, a place where you break bread and just talk with people. These are a few, this isn't an exhaustive list by any means, but these are a few practices that we'll be talking about. Maybe you're wondering, how can I start this? How can I lean into this? There's something on our website uh, that you can go to, and it's a tab, um, and it's called Rhythms of Grace. We're starting to build an entire resource. Actually, my wife is over this, and she's continued to build an entire resource for all of us as a community to have around topics for us to practice, like lament and like solitude. And what does that mean for us? And walking through it and giving resources and books to read and podcasts to listen to, you're not in this alone. We all need this. Maybe that's something that, you're, that you'll go to. Maybe that's something that you're thinking about. Practices that God is all inviting us to. Here, here's how I want to wrap up. I understand that sometimes it can be hard. And I've been in a space where it's been even difficult for me in just this season of life. I'm just like, uh, I'm actually in like the latter part of it. I can kind of sense myself moving on in a little bit. But I'm starting to reflect a little bit and see how the pandemic has played a part on just me and my own spiritual habits and spiritual practices. 
And I know we're somewhat like post-pandemic, depending on who you're talking to, uh, but I can realize how much it played an impact on me. And one of the things that I've come across is really trying to identify what that is. And the word that I want to bring up that I think is going to be helpful for us, Adam Grant, who is an organizational psychologist, started to lean into the topic of languishing, languishing. I didn't even know what this was, uh, but he's an organizational psychologist. He has an amazing TED Talk on it. He has an amazing different podcast that he's on with church leaders about the topic of languishing. And I bring up this topic because I just had a conversation with a, a friend last week, and we were just talking about sometimes the staleness of our relationship with God sometimes, of how Easter sometimes can't even be like celebrated the way that we want it to. That's the conversation last week. And sometimes we even think about like, man, I'm just going through this dry spell and I don't even feel like getting up. It's just don't even feel like doing anything. There's actually an emotional chart that uh, Adam Grant actually put up when he, during his TED Talk. Uh, it's on the screens here. It shows us what the feeling some of us may have. The variety of feelings sometimes. You see the variety that I'm talking about there? And some of us, we, we find ourselves in this space, and that's some of the effect that our spiritual habits have played on us because of just pandemic, martial fires, all these different things, not even including life in general. And things have be just become meh, not only in life, but in your relationship with God. As it relates to things around church, there were times a few months back where I came to work and I just wanted to go right back home. We were just sitting in this space of like, why is this the feeling? What is this sort of gray cloud? And I couldn't put language to it, but languishing is what Adam Grant called it. And he describes it as this. Languishing is a sense of stagnation and emptiness. It feels as if you're muddling through your days, looking at your life through a foggy windshield. And it might be the dominant emotion of 2000. 21. Some of us are in a space of languish right now. And that may speak directly to what your spiritual habits look like. And I just want to encourage you for a moment to not only realize that, because just naming it was helpful for me, but realize that even in the midst of that, even in right where you are, the antidote that, uh, that Adam Grant talked about was when people started to enter into a state of flow. And the way that he described a state of flow is an elusive state of absorption in a meaningful challenge or momentary bond where your sense of time, place, and self melts away. Can I just say that in a spiritual world, flow is the spiritual practices that God is inviting us to. And if you choose one for the next couple of months to just immerse yourself in time and time again, because here's the deal with practice, it needs repetition. You don't get better without repetition. You don't become Gregory Hines without repetition. It takes repetition over and over again. And here's the deal. When you're reading scripture, you're becoming like God. You may walk away and say, I don't even get anything from that. You're becoming like Jesus. To become like Jesus means we have to embrace the way of Jesus. When you're sitting there and you're in solitude, I'm, you're talking to an extroverted Enneagram 7 here. Solitude, silence, what? I can't even quiet my mind long enough to think about whatever the case may be. I'm just all over. And yet God is inviting me to slow down. 
to have silence in your life. And sometimes I feel like it's working. Sometimes I feel like it's not. And yet the, the, the thing that I'm embracing every single day is I'm becoming more and more like Christ. And he's inviting me to this practice because on the other side is a friendship that he's longing to have. So here's my thing. Here's my time as we wrap up. Lay one brick at a time. Lay one brick at a time. And what I mean by lay one brick at a time is going back to Matthew 7. The foundation that you are building right now of your spiritual house, it's not going to happen overnight. You're not going to have the mansion. You're not going to have the house that you thought you was going to have. You're not going to have this big old laid out acres in the house that you see on TV. Leave it to TV. Because right now what God is calling you to is to lay one brick at a time and lay that brick over and over and over again. Because the wise person is one who hears the words of Jesus and puts it into practice. It's the fool who hears it and does nothing. So, as we reflect on our habits and the person that we're becoming in the process, lay one brick at a time, immerse yourself in one practice and watch that flow state of your relationship with Jesus start to be impacted over and over again. Because right where you are in the mundane, in the languishing, in the highs and the lows, King Jesus the Messiah is right there saying, my friendship is not conditional. And on the other side of that engagement, on the other side of that practice is a deeper walk with Christ. And don't ever think that you have Christ figured out. For those old timers in the room that you've been walking with God for a long time, let me let you know that there is a brick that you need to be laying in this moment. That God is calling you to lay one more brick over and over again. And when we can invite these practices into our life, we begin to be immersed in the way of Jesus. And we become like Jesus when we walk in the way of Jesus. So, don't be discouraged. Don't be let down by anything. Don't let that gap be too daunting and overwhelming. Because what is even greater than that gap of who you are right now and who you want to be is your intimacy with the Savior of this world. And that is what he is inviting and calling us all into. And that happens with two of these things that I wanted to end with here. It's faith and bravery. Some of you in the room, faith is enough. And God has given you the measure of faith in Romans. You see in the chapter, in the book of Romans, that you have the faith that you need. God has already given you that. Now it's time to put it into practice. But for some of you who's trying church out and you're a little bit skeptical about this Jesus thing, I want to challenge you to be brave. And I want to challenge you to step into your moment of bravery, recognizing on the other side of your step of bravery, on the other side of you just seeing, you know what, I want to see where this goes. And you get into community and you start looking into scripture and you start finding yourself in moments of worship. Let me let you know that there is a friendship waiting that will change your life forever. And when you hear this song, this song and the words spoken over you, these words sung over you, hear that today. That the battle does not belong to us. 
but it belongs to Jesus. Let us pray. Lord, I call on you today that we may be wise people. And not that we know everything, but that we have enough faith and bravery to put it into practice. We may not have it all together, and we may not have the, 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 all the things that we thought we were going to have, and it feels like time is delayed, and we're languishing, and we're up, and we're down, and life just seems like we can't get a hold on it. Wherever we may be in this room, may we be challenged to step out and be brave and be bold and recognize that you are on the other side of that step, and you are with us. And that is enough. Not our goals, not our list of to-dos, We lay one brick at a time with the faith and bravery knowing you are on the other side with a friendship that changes our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.